0: Turning TikTok into a career, her journey with sexuality, and exploring whether brands pinkwash with comedian Samantha Andrew.
1: We're Jasmine and Maggie, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the
0: Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this interview.
1: We would like to pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Today we're speaking with the hilarious and super talented Samantha Andrew. If you've been on TikTok over the past year, you've probably seen her comedy sketches, where she creates up personas for classic Australian brands or reminisces on what it was like to shop at a mall in the mid-2000s as a 12-year-old. With over 150,000 TikTok followers and a wealth of experience performing on stages across Australia, Sam is now heading to the bright lights of the Melbourne Comedy Festival in 2021 with her show, No Hat, No Play, The Cabaret, with creative partner Mel O'Brien.
0: Apart from being one of Australia's Best New Comedians, Sam is also creating conversations around LGBTQI plus rights and the experience of freezing her partner Cody's eggs to have children in the future. Thanks for joining us today, Sam. So I guess most of our listeners know you because you've blown up on TikTok over the past year, but this hasn't been your first foray into performing or comedy. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
2: Of course. Uh, I am a composer and performer and writer, kind of in the, not kind of, actually, in the musical theatre and cabaret world. I love performing. I love acting. But my training was um, in jazz voice at the Victorian College of the Arts. So absolutely adore writing music. And yeah, I've been performing and writing my own comedy cabarets since I graduated so I had a lot of success with a cabaret that I wrote with two of my creative, fantastic friends, uh, Belle and Erin. We wrote Baby Bye Bye Bye, which was a cabaret about bisexuality and that kind of blew up in a really fantastic way. We toured it around Australia. Um, we won a whole bunch of awards. Uh, that was the um, cabaret that won me a green room, which was truly a highlight of my life. I may have mm-hmm. peaked too soon, but, yeah, that's the kind of – Thing that I do and then on the side I really like writing children's music which is a random little extra bit about me and yeah that's me.
0: Tell us about the children's music.
2: Oh it's <laughs> I've probably built it up to be it's <laughs> I just really like writing songs for kids so I write them both in an educational sense and sell them to companies for teaching in classroom uh, classroom music and then I also have worked in the past writing with some kind of children's performers and writing silly songs. So there's the songs that exist and are more about like music education and then there are the stupid songs about like using an invisible pen and farting on your friend and making sandwiches out of disgusting ingredients. So there's <laughs> the two kind of worlds. But that's not a huge part of my life. That's just a little side <laughs> project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I first saw your video about Diva and JJ's and all those like Aussie shops we used to go to when we were 12. Obviously that's really resonated with audiences, which is so funny, but why do you think that is? Why is the nostalgia resonating so much?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, hats off to you, Jazz, because you've been there since the OG first viral video. Um, I I think, well, truly in in the year that was, especially 2020, it was a very... It was a year of being stuck. It was just one long headache, and I feel like people I kind of came in at the perfect time um, with all this nostalgic content because I think people just wanted to escape. They wanted to go back to a time where they probably felt happier and things were sillier and not so serious and crappy yeah <laughs> to put it frankly <laughs> so I think the nostalgia side really worked well in the environment of 2020 and I think people love finding little bits in videos that where they can be like that's me or that's my Mm. friend and from an actual um from gaining success on the platform if i'm looking at it from that way and looking at engagement and views and likes people videos that where people can relate to it and tag their friends will be like that's me or that's you or you're this one and i'm this person Mm. that does really well in the algorithm and it gets boosted so it's just kind of um it kind of works in both ways I think, yeah, nostalgia brings people together. People were ready to escape. My videos, you know, they're just silly and I hope that they're fun mm-hmm. and I'm still, um, you know, forever fascinated by the app in the sense that the videos are honestly less than 60 seconds, which is yeah. just such a new way of consuming content mm-hmm. that I'm still wrapping my head around. Um, but that's, that's for another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you know when I started to incorporate, you know, LGBTQIA plus topics, I think that happened organically, and um, not that not that I would have been disappointed in myself if I went the other way, but I feel like I liked that I started being like, no, I I'm a comedian and I do comedy, I just happen to be queer, and my partner happens to be. Um, you know, queer as well. Yeah. So I think then it just kind of started coming out, and I, I said, okay, you're you're lucky. You're um you're very lucky to have a platform now and an audience. How can you go further than just, you know, dressing up in an outfit from Supre and doing a skit about mm-hmm. being twelve? How can you go further? You're twenty five. Let's you know, let's think about this. A bit more.
1: It's so funny. It's such a new app that the algorithm really likes personality tests like astrology and the Maya Briggs and that kind of content. I'm always sending those types of TikToks to my friends.
2: Absolutely. I'm also really intrigued to see if it's going to change the way, like it already is so immensely impacting Instagram and the way that functions as a social media app. Um, but yeah, one thing I just thought of then as we were talking is I love even if someone's wearing an outfit. I love seeing, I love seeing someone in motion as opposed to seeing a Mm. still frozen image on a grid on Instagram. I think Mm. you get such an insight into people, but it would have been weird on Instagram Mm -hmm. to just upload, you know, a four second video or boomerang of your outfit (laughs) and put that in your grid. Whereas I feel like TikTok has now allowed people to show more of themselves. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah,
0: but on the flip side of that, we I mean, I feel like we're drilled into, from such a young age, we're always told about the dangers of social media. Um, we we honestly had police come to our school and tell us about the strangers of stranger danger. I don't know if you remember that, but I just keep flashing back to that moment because it was so intense. And we're really told about how dangerous it is. And we know about the dangers of TikTok. But has that been your experience? What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I feel, like I said before, I'm very lucky that I am the age I am dealing with, if I'm dealing with any hate because I'm, you know, I'm mid twenties. I'm not 19. I'm not 16. Some of these TikTok celebrities that are just thrust Mm. into such intense fame and, you know, scrutiny. And they're honestly children like this. They would be in year 11 or year 10 right right now. Sorry. Um, I, have been lucky that I don't receive a lot of hate and the hate that I get, it's just so easy to look at it and be like, well, I'm not going to listen to that because, <clears throat> you know, yeah. that's a comment about my appearance and I'm not on, not that I think that I'm ugly, but I'm not on TikTok for my appearance. I'm on TikTok for my, for making funny videos. So mm. commenting about my appearance, I always, it's so funny. I, cause I can laugh about it cause it's so silly and I need to like put it in a stand-up set or something. Mm. I just, constantly get comments from it's definitely 12-year-old boys from checking out their accounts. I always get comments from 12-year-old boys and they'll just comment they'll be like this bitch has a square head. And I'll go <laughs> and I'm just like what an oddly specific insult. Yes, for the listeners that haven't seen me, I have a bit of a square jawline, but it's just so funny that that's the thing. Um that's the thing they comment. But I, of course, you know, from being a bit older, I'm also, it's important to me to stand up for other creators when I feel like they're being mm. unfairly, um, you know, victimized or bullied because it's, you know, you've got a band together and um, yeah, I think as well, the verified tick, not that I think it's the best thing in the world or the be all and end all, but I think if someone sees someone with a verified tick standing up for someone, maybe it gives it a little bit mm. more legitimacy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Not that I think the tick, yeah. I don't want to sound like I've got the tick. So what I have to say is (laughs) I'm very important.
1: (laughs) (laughs) While we're still on the topic of this app, could you tell us some of your tips and tricks for writing TikToks and getting seen?
2: Yeah, I think it's that frustrating advice where you're like, no, I want it to be easier than that. (laughs) But I think... Don't, just don't do things that everyone's doing. Don't do the exact same. Don't, you know, if you're going to post a a viral dance or you're going to, you know, do a viral trend, do your own spin on it because then you'll find an audience because obviously there's already an audience for people that are doing A, don't do A, try and do B or a hybrid of A, B. Mm -hmm. What a bloody weird way of saying it. What a rambly reason. But, yeah, I just think try and do try and do something new. And if the following doesn't come straight away, um, I read a great thing the other day and let's see if I can remember it. It was um, your success, uh, not specific to TikTok, but your success is how you show up for, you know, the small amount of followers you have Mm. at the start and then you'll gain success. That's absolutely not the quote. I've just reworded it. (laughs) It's really true. I think people can get quite... um, They expect a bit too much when they've got no following and they're like, why aren't the followers coming? And it's like, put out content that you've worked really hard on and, you know, hopefully an audience will come. I think as well, it's easy to get, um, because TikTok is so broad in the videos that do well, there's the really kind of messy, fun, organic, quick chat to cameras that are then just uploaded without a second thought. And they can blow up because they're so authentic and funny and, oh my gosh, we just caught you you know chatting about this topic and it's in the TikTok vortex and it's hilarious but then i also think there's people and um i like to say that i fit more into this category um i work really hard on the videos that i make i spend sometimes an hour writing a script and then an hour filming that's 2 hours of my day plusly you know putting on costumes and everything for a usually a 45 to 60 second video sometimes it does take time and I think last year I was just lucky because we were in a pandemic and I had time. But um yeah, I I don't know. I've gone on a huge tangent, but I feel like TikTok can sometimes give across give off the vibe that you you don't have to work super hard and you just have to film something really quickly and upload it and it'll either go viral or it won't. You can be you can have a method and you can be quite ca- calculated in the way you do it.
0: Um, And just to switch gears a bit actually on our podcast Jasmine and I had a heart to heart the other week um, where we did open up about our own journeys of sexuality and you know we're talking about exploring that we probably aren't straight and we had a chat about bisexuality. Um, You've been very open about your own sexuality online. Do you mind telling us about your journey?
2: Yeah of course. So I came out at as bisexual I think in 2013 in high school and um, for people that don't know Maggie and I we actually went to the same high school a few years apart but I wanted to speak about this because I thought it was important. Back in 2013 things were really quite different. Mm. Not a lot of people were out um, and I was really grateful for the school that we went to There's a brilliant teacher, um, you're Mm. probably going to nod as soon as I say it, Maggie.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) before you even said his name, I was like, yeah.
2: Exactly, (laughs) who was just, um, he is a queer man himself and, you know, he started an LGBTQIA plus like anti-homophobia collective where people would just meet at lunchtime and eat pizza and have a safe space. And even in 2013, I look back, that's bloody awesome that he Mm. did that And it just made me feel like, you know, even from just every now and again popping into that room, I knew that there was a safe space for me to come out at school. I did. Um, And then I exclusively dated women for seven years and was very convinced that I was a lesbian. Um, It's very in my personality, which is not a good thing to be all or nothing in this Mm. scenario. It's not a good thing because I was like, no, you have, well, you're a lesbian. Pick so you're a lesbian and i think that was just so silly that i did that to myself and because i was exclusively dating women and you know only seeing women i very much thought that i was no i'm i'm only attracted to women and i'm gay or i'm i'm a lesbian and then you know it took me um meeting my now partner Cody who is a trans man i had a real like i had to step back and be like Oh my goodness, no, you are, you are so obviously attracted to just to more than women. Like that's mm. just the truth of it. And you know it, I've, we speak about it often, Cody and I. It was really important for me to kind of take a step back and really you know analyze and self-reflect because I said to myself, if you see Cody as any, in any way as a you know a, a butch lesbian, you can't do this. That's not fair. Because, you know, Cody is male and it's it's not fair on him, it's not fair on you, it's not fair on the queer community. So yeah, I kind of did um a bit of a 360 and I I I kind of just used the term queer because I'm just attracted to mm. who I'm attracted to. And I've spoken to Cody about this and I don't think it's bad to admit that I am more attracted to women than men. That's just the truth and, and bisexuality and queerness is definitely a spectrum and you can mm. move on the spectrum i yeah i don't know about um both of you but i i did feel nervous for a while even admitting that i was more attracted to women. and i was like you can't say that that's really like harmful mm. but i i don't think it is everyone's sexuality is is their own and i'm i'm not trying to be hurtful it's just the truth i'm more attracted to women than men but i'm so in love with and attracted mm. to Cody, and I have been attracted to men and d- and dated men in the past. Yeah, that's kind of me.
0: <laughs> that's so lovely to hear, and it is so refreshing as you know people figuring themselves out to hear that and just know that there's always room for growth. It's always a grey area. You're not locked into a label. I think that's what we really grappled with, and that like having to define ourselves was really quite. I don't know, scary. So yeah, that was, that's, that's really reassuring to hear as well. Mm.
1: Yeah. So I like men more than women. And this is something that Maggie and I spoke about a few weeks ago, which was that like internalized phobia. Have you grappled with that yourself?
2: Absolutely. I feel as well in the queer community, you can be excluded, which is really disappointing, but it happens. You know, I've had conversations with, um, with, lesbians that are like you're you know you're too femme to be attracted to women you don't look gay you're going to end up with a man and it's bloody frustrating because well technically I have ended up with a man but that's got nothing to do with it but those things Mm. that you hear in those early you know stages of exploring and discovering your queerness they burn in your brain and they stick with you and I know that I shouldn't be thinking that but I I can't help it and yeah it's it's real. it's that whole, you know, it's the catch 22 of, you know, too, um, too gay to be straight and too straight to be gay. And I just feel, yeah, I feel like being bi, it's so okay to be more attracted to one gender. There's just nothing, nothing wrong with admitting that. And you could go your entire life and have never even kissed a woman and still be queer. And I think people need to understand, understand Mm. that. Yeah. You don't have to prove yourself or do anything you don't want to do to prove your sexuality.
0: And as you mentioned, I love it when I hear you talk about Cody, you can just hear your love for him just ooze <laughs> out of you and we're a sucker for a good love story. So can you t- please tell us about, um, like how you met and all that
2: jazz? Of course. So <laughs> I had just gotten back from touring baby bye, 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 at Adelaide. No, yes. Adelaide fringe. <laughs> um, and I hadn't been out on out on the town, if you will, because I'd been on tour for a while. So I went out to <laughs> ye old faithful. Thur- I shouldn't be laughing. Thursday, which is on mm-hmm. um, Smith Street, and you're a true Thursday um, attendee if you say it without the s, because some people call it Thursdays now, and I'm like, oh, I'm fucking old now. <laughs> it's Thursday, singular. Anyway. <laughs> We, I was at the bar, um, ordering a wine and then I truly just turned to Cody, didn't even give it a second thought. And I was just like, I really like your jumper and I love Mm -hmm. complimenting people on, you know, everything. So I'm just love your jumper. And he's like, oh, thanks so much. And then all of a sudden as it happens, it was like, and then we were just in a corner, just chatting about Star signs and Myers Briggs and all those things. I'm like, read me for filth. I'm obsessed with this. He was (laughs) straight away. He goes, "Are you a fire sign?" And I was like, "How dare you?" Yes. And he's like, "Please (laughs) tell me you're not." Was it a Leo or a Sag? Apologies if are either of you a Leo or a Sag. No, no. That's fine. And I'm an Aries. (laughs) I was like, "No, I'm an Aries." And then we just ended up like chatting on the couch for a while, and then. Yeah, we ended up going on a date and then going on another date and then we never, we just like never stopped. And I'm really, oh, not that it's anything to, to celebrate, like I'm so proud of myself that I gave it a chance. But, you know, if I, it really mm. could have been, I could have gone the other way and there could have been something in me as a knee-jerk reaction where I went, no, I'm gay, no, and then just mm. didn't pursue it. And I think that's so, I think about that often, but I just was like, no, like one, you are so fucking hot. Two, your brain is brilliant. Three, I'm so into this. And so Mm -hmm. I just kind of kept, kind of kept going. And then here we are. We've been dating for nearly two years now.
1: So we've seen over your content and your videos that you're also in the process of freezing Cody's eggs. What has that and sharing it with the internet been like?
2: It's going really well. Thank you for asking. I, one of the reasons I went, you have to put this on your channel, Sam, is because I, and I'm comfortable enough to admit it, I didn't know that you could do that once you were on testosterone. I didn't know mm-hmm. that if you were um, taking tea that you could go off it in order to then you know store your eggs and and freeze them. I just didn't know that was a thing. So I went cool. Well, let's, let's put this, let's put our journey on TikTok. Why not? It was so well received. And, you know, for me, Mm. especially with, with this kind of stuff, because it's personal, I didn't care if it got one view, but the one view was someone that went, oh, interesting. And then learned something new, you know, but it, it just so happened that it, it did really well. And people have been gorgeous They'll comment on my other random comedy TikToks. How's the egg freezing going? Thinking of Cody, he's so strong, he's so brave. And people Mm. are just gorgeous. And I feel as well really glad that we did it, especially because TikTok has such a young audience, you know, such a huge of its market of the platform is 14 to 24-year-olds. So Mm. I just think great. Um, But, yes, aside from TikTok, it's going it's going really well. It's kind of it's kind of funny when you know when he had the first appointment and then it's like, right, I'm going off testosterone. So, for anyone that doesn't know, um Cody takes testosterone as a trans man, um but now he's off it for 6 months. Um so he's just basically on no hormones apart from the hormones that are naturally in his body, and then at the end of the 6-month mark. So, I th- I think we're just over halfway now. He is just over mm. halfway now. Um, and then they will be giving Cody, um, estrogen and then being able to take, um, the eggs out in that way. I think they take, and I, I might be slightly incorrect around 20 ish eggs. It's going really well. Um, nothing has changed that dramatically. The only thing that, you know, we've spoken about on my um, channel is fat, uh, redistribution happens. So Cody's got more, um, fat around his hips. Um, he, is a lot more tired than mm. usual. Um, so by the end of the day, he'll just be quite exhausted. And and he's usually so, like, so much energy could just, you know, run a million miles, I was about to say miles, a million <laughs> kilometres a day. It's madness. Um, but he described it to me as he feels like he's in a constant state of restlessness, like he just doesn't mm. feel settled. He feels like he's, like, floating in a way. Um, but, yeah, we, we check in and it's really important to, to check in with him and just ask how he's going. And, and you know, the, everyone at Melbourne IVF has been, has been really lovely, but we're also using it as, you know, um, Cody has felt in times, like I don't want to speak for him, but he's told me he's felt in times like a bit of a lab rat in a lot of medical situations. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, when we're having the check-ins with these nurses and they're asking how we're going, it's very easy to be like, yeah, it's going okay blah, 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 paperwork, paperwork, logistics, Mm. logistics. But, you know, I was really proud of him the other day. He just, there was just a kind of a lull in the conversation and he's like, well, I'm experiencing this and um, Mm. my fat around my, you know, hips feels like this and I feel tired. And he just used it as a real opportunity to educate the nurses as well, which I think is so, you know, gorgeous and lovely and very in his nature. But yes, long story short, it's all it's all going well. And he said to me, he's like, I don't want to freak you out. We're not having a baby like next year. I'm like, <laughs> no, this is just what you, it's just what you have to do. Like you mm. you, you want to have a kid that's biologically yours. you got to do it now. And that's, and that's okay. Just randomly, I've thought of it off the top of my head. There's a brilliant documentary that Cody and I saw as part of a queer film festival last year or the year before. Um, and it's called Seahorse. And it follows a trans man's um, journey um, through having a child. And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. brilliant. And if you're wanting something to watch that'll make you cry and make you learn so much in the hour to hour and a half that it is, I would just highly recommend it. It opened my eyes in a really profound way.
1: Yeah, that sounds super interesting. Um, We'll put a link to that in the show notes if anyone is interested in watching that one as well.
0: Um, I also want to ask you about pinkwashing. So um, I've loved that. I've been able to see you and also Cody partner with a lot of big brands. I even saw recently, I think you did a volley campaign. Um, How do you feel about brands engaging with political issues and LGBTQ plus rights? Have you ever felt it's performative?
2: Yes. I think some brands are, are definitely performative and I think, it's, it's all about a learning process for these brands. So sometimes you don't, you don't know, or don't realize that they are being performative until you say yes to the brief or until you're there or until you see the finished product. So I think, yeah, the, the journey from, from the brief that you get, um, to the finished product can be quite messy and, you know, the brief Mm. might be really wholesome and Or it might be really vague and you're just not sure what they want and then you'll see the finished product and it won't be what you thought it was going to be. Uh, Mm. I think the biggest thing, and I'm just such an, I just pay people. It's really important to pay Queer Voices. I don't think that brands should be able to profit off people's trauma. I just don't think that's fair. Uh, I think a brand that constantly checks in with you is really important that mm-hmm. hires or has someone on their team that is queer or a queer consultant. And so they know and use the right language with you and don't make it a space where you're having to educate them. You're not there to educate them. You're there mm-hmm. as quote unquote, you know, the talent or or for whatever reason that they want you. I just, yeah, I am a really big pay people, pay people, pay people, pay people. Um, and yeah, if you really value queer people's input, then pay us. And I yeah. I also think, you know, some brands may come to me and or they'll come through my agency and be like, we're really interested in working with Sam for blah, X, Y, and Z. And then my agent will be like, brilliant. And then I'll, you know, get to be d- to doing the campaign and they'll go, could, could we get Cody involved? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. One, you're going to pay him the exact same that you're going to pay mm. me. And second of all, if I I could be wrong, but I'm assuming you knew this all along that you wanted Cody involved. Just be transparent and say it. or I am also I've spoken to Cody about this. If you just want Cody for a campaign, <laughs> just ask him, go through mm-hmm. my agency and and ask for him. That is absolutely fine. I feel like as well. Um, there haven't been a lot, but there's just been a few moments with with briefs that have fallen through where it's been quite obvious that they're not actually interested in me. They're interested in Cody, but they just go about it in a really weird way. And I'm like, you, you can just say, if you want Cody, like I support his individual career as well. I'm not like wear a package deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a big one. And, you know,
0: mm.
2: especially with, with Mardi Gras coming up and all of those things, it's it's easy to see who, um, what brands are being performative and what brands actually really care. There've been brands that I've worked with that you can see on my channel that have been brilliant, but there's just mm. been others that are, yeah.
1: And obviously freezing your eggs is quite expensive. So for brands to make money off your story like that is just so rude.
2: Exactly. Exactly. What I've learned in from, you know, cause I, I really did last year, I had a complete career shift. Like now my income is through TikTok, which is just bizarre and crazy and and never thought that 14 year old girls would be the reason that I make money, but they (laughs) are (laughs) them commenting first on my video, which boosts in the algorithm is me part of me getting paid. But, um, what I learned in 2020 is brands have money and they just do like, I'm sorry, you know, and not that I've worked with this brand and this is not, um, I'm just using them as a random example, if you're Nike, you've got money. You can mm-hmm. just pay people, you know. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Love you, Nike, though. No no personal <laughs> vendetta against Nike. Never worked with them.
0: I think all the points that you brought up were so important, so valid. But how would you kind of recommend like us as the audience, us looking at this content where it's kind of hard to figure out if someone's doing things properly, if it's by the books, is there a way that we can kind of suss it out? Like you have pink washing goggles that you put on?
2: Um God, it's hard. I think if I think if the brand this is something that just comes to mind, I don't know, take with it what you will. I think if the brand has queer faces that are part of the campaign and queer like quotes that you can tell haven't been like weirdly edited, like it's a chunky enough quote to really be them and not, mm. do you know what I mean? As opposed mm. to just taking like a really small bit that someone said, and then pasting it with something else that someone said, and then mm. tying that to the brand's message. But if you're seeing actual stories from queer people, I think, yes, if it's just a rainbow splattered on a billboard with nothing else, and it's just, you know, I'm just going to make up a, cause of my ring lights in front of me Hear it, ring lights express, we love love. And then it's just a <laughs> rainbow. You're like, but 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 how and why Mm -hmm. and and where's the proof yeah I don't know I don't know do you have any suggestions I feel like it's hard it's really hard to know Mm -hmm. I mean yeah we
0: totally put you on the spot right there and I feel like one good thing about social media is that you do have access to like contact a brand directly through like dms and whatnot I think it's very hard to be like who's in your team are they queer like demanding answers so there's also that kind of like privacy issue but i think yeah yeah bloody hell it is hard
2: (laughs) and i think as well it's really important if a brand is going to be um you know using a certain amount of people for their campaign i think it's really important for them to look at the lineup of people that they have and go okay are we are we representing you know, a really nice broad range Mm. of people here? Do we have people of colour? Do we have people that are disabled? Do we have people that are mature? Do we have, you know, younger kids? Like let's actually think about this and let's not make every single person in our campaign like a cis, white, Mm. gay man. Mm
1: -hmm. You've just announced your Melbourne Comedy Festival show, No Hat, No Play, The Cabaret. Can you tell us more about that and what else 2021 will hold for you?
2: Of course. So as soon as you said the show name, I like I have a huge grin on my face for everyone listening at home. I'm so freaking proud of this show. So myself and my creative partner, Mel O'Brien, we have been working on this show and we came up with the concept during lockdown. It's got nothing to do with the pandemic, so don't stress. It's not a cabaret about COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's basically a one-hour we call it a jam packed, glad wrapped um, cabaret all about life in public Aussie primary school in like the early 2000s. So it's, you know, based off like personal experience, but it's high energy. It's silly. You know, there's like songs about sunny boys and glue sticks and art class and, you know, being in love with a boy that's allergic to carpet. So they have to sit on a chair. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Look at them sitting up there. They're famous. So it's, it's very silly. We wrote all the, it's all original soundtrack that myself, I've been working on the track production and myself and Mel have been writing the songs together. Mel's producing it. We're truly like a two woman team. It's yeah. Very, very proud of it. It's we're playing at, oh my gosh, Sam. Okay. I'm just going to get up my dates with <laughs> this show. Me just going into like a passionate ramble and then being like, couldn't tell you when it's on. Um, so we're at the tough in town, we're at the Mm -hmm. tough in town, which is just a few um, levels below rooftop bar before you're like, I don't know that. Yes, you do. If you know rooftop (laughs) bar and we Mm -hmm. are performing from the 6th to the 18th of April at the tough in town and just follow my Instagram and you'll be seeing more that I've got the link um, for the tickets in my bio. My Instagram is Samantha Andrew, um, with, that a doubling at the as the end of my first name and start of my last and yeah I'm really freaking proud of it it's it's a funny show
1: I love how our generation is finally old enough to make shows and art about our childhood experiences like no hat no play is fully ingrained in my mind
2: oh I know I think the name came first before mm. we even thought about what the show I was like we were just talking in the car and I was like what should we do and it was cabaret and we're like I don't know maybe about like prime school, I was like, Oh, no hat, no play, the cabaret, and then we're like, Wait a damn minute, wow. pause. <laughs> and then, yeah, we've been working tirelessly. I can't wait to show it to people. Magic,
0: <laughs> yeah. I've already um, got a group of friends together, we're all gonna oh, go see it.
2: You're very the best. excited. It's, we're on at 9.45, which is actually a really cool time because, um, you know, I, we're very Um, we're very mindful of the the show is not a kid's show and because we're Mm. wearing like primary school outfits I think Mm. some people might be like look at these two children's performers I mean like no it's really it's not like disgustingly crude where we're trying to go too far the other way but it's it's a show for our age for 20 year olds and up and um Yeah, 9.45, we're really excited and, like, ready for a bit of a tipsy audience to kind of stumble Mm. in each night and be like, yeah, and we'll be like, we haven't even, we've just stood on stage in the bucket hats and people will be like, I know that, I know the bucket hats, and we'll be like, oh, just you wait.
1: Just falling down the stairs from rooftop. Exactly. (laughs) God, dangerous. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so apart from the show, just, like, making more content, putting more TikToks out there.
2: Yes, and Obviously, the the goal is to tour. No hat, no play. Mm. And then I'm, you know, I I really take TikTok seriously, and it's it is truly like a big chunk of my career now. So just I just want to keep pumping out it's the wrong word because it sounds like I'm just throwing it out and not really caring about it. I just want to keep you know giving mm. um, my followers like what they want um, and stuff that I think is funny and keep making art and hopefully this pandemic can piss off because I'm bloody over it
0: (laughs) well you know we'll be on the other side of the little phone screen laughing along double tapping giving you likes um it's been such a joy to talk to you today sam we really truly appreciate it you've honestly brightened up our morning so thank you again
2: thank you so much for having me it was so lovely to speak to you both we'll have to meet after the show or sometime and get a wine or a coffee that'll be
1: lovely oh we're so excited for your show we can't wait to see it thanks so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. It's been so much fun.
2: Beautiful. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.